Let's pray together. God, we thank you for everything that we have shared together so far this morning. We thank you for your love and your being with us, for your promises, for the ways that you continue to shape your new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from the beginning of the end of the book of Revelation. Try to hear each word, each phrase. We're going to read it slowly and just let it sink in. I know that so many of us have so much on our minds right now, whether personal things or big global things or everywhere in between. Even though most of the time I say, bring all of that in with you, leave it at the foot of the cross, at least for this reading, try to set those things aside and just hear the word of the Lord and take it all in as a gift from the creator and sustainer of our lives, the firstborn over all creation. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. The word of the Lord. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Doesn't get much more reorienting than that. I was crying, completely disoriented, and God himself wiped away the tears. You probably don't remember the first time you cried on the day you were born. But most likely it was in the hands of a complete stranger who wiped away your tears, someone you had never heard or seen before, a nurse, a midwife, or maybe like the stories you read, a taxi cab driver in traffic in New York City. You were crying and someone comforted you. Disorientation followed by reorientation. And that is the ultimate description in Scripture of the activity of God. We think of God as this ultimate world creator, right? You know, somebody says, God, you know, what do you picture? When he says, God, you think of world creator. When the end of Scripture actually describes God as 
ultimate tear wiper. You know, you go from this giant image of God to this deeply personal, caring, in-contact image of God. And then the beginning of the end of the book of Revelation begins this way in Revelation 21.5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. All the free water you want at no cost. And not just any water, but this spring water of life, whatever that means. I don't know. I haven't tasted it yet, but it sure sounds good. And I can't wait to try it. But that's what we have to look forward to. And especially because we're trying to make sense of a world that doesn't make sense. I need to say that again. We're trying even as we sit here in church on a lovely Sunday morning, try to make sense of a world that does not make sense. And then we realize, I mean, it's certain this, this aha, oh yeah, we are. We're in the middle of a world that doesn't make sense. And then what is the first thing that we try to do? We try to make sense of it. Doesn't make sense. So let's go to church. Maybe church will make sense out of it. <laughs> well, stay tuned, I guess. We're trying, but then the world doesn't make sense anymore. It is this order that we have in, in our minds in the midst of great disorder, and then we spend our time trying to reorder everything. It's what some have called orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. And because no one here, not even the youngest child, has not experienced disorientation, we begin where we all begin, which is really where Scripture in many ways begins, and that is in reorientation. The day we were born, we were warm and secure, a perfect 98 degrees. And to those of us who are cold-natured, that just sounds wonderful. 98 degrees, warm and secure. But then we're born into a cold room with bright lights and sounds buzzing. It's as though someone said, Welcome, baby. Can we start you off with a migraine? And then it's just disorientation. It's like we go from this great setting where everything is perfect to somebody playing like you light up my life in Old Town Road one time and then it gets stuck in our head for 30 years. And it's just complete disorientation. And so we come to church and we read the Bible and we talk to each other and it's like we can't make sense out of this. 
And then we hear the story of Jesus. It's like, I like the story of Jesus. But then you have to go live out in the world. It's like, man. It's, it's as though we are living in the midst of order and disorder simultaneously. Does it ever feel that way? Where it's like, okay, I have things that I've been told help make sense of the world, but we have to live them out in the midst of this extraordinary disorientation. I mean, the very earliest beginning of our time, from the day, I mean, the moment that we are born, it's disorientation. The second we're born, it's like you go from perfect setting to what in the world just happened? But then, we are wrapped up tightly and we're placed in the arms of someone who has our best interest at heart. Usually a nurse with a heart of gold. Is it any wonder that the last book of the Bible ends with the language of birth, of new creation? We hear Jesus speak in Revelation 21.5, I am making everything new. You hear the creation language? I'm making everything new. Then in the next verse, we hear Jesus speak again, it is done. And it's kind of like the last words from the cross of Jesus in John 19.30, but a different word with a completely different meaning, and that's on purpose. I bet you can't wait to find out what that's all about. I know that I couldn't. Um, stay tuned. Because the conclusion of the sermon is this ending of this new beginning. In the meantime, we wait within this new creation. We're still watching everything unfold. But we appreciate all this talk of reorientation because we know what disorientation is. See, reorientation and reordering wouldn't mean anything to us if we didn't know what disorientation felt like. You know, if you were living in this sort of perfect setting and then someone said, uh, this isn't that perfect, you'd say, no, it's actually pretty good. Reordering things is wonderful because we know what disorder is. You know, it's time to clean your room because you're tired of walking over dirty clothes. It's time to clean out the garage because the car won't fit in there anymore. You know, it's time to get rid of some bad habits that leave you just mired in sin and shame. Let's, let's set up this summer a bit. All right? So all of this introduction of the ending is really leading to a new beginning, and that's what this whole summer is. Think in terms, all summer of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation, particularly from the writings of John. What kind of world is John telling us about? Well, first off, because we've just spent all this time in the Gospel of John, we immediately know that it is the way the world was intended to be, a world of love, joy, and peace. And I think that's the disorienting part because Jesus comes and brings this wonderful message. Oh, here's a message of love, joy, and peace. This is what intended from the very beginning. This is what God wanted. God created the world 
And it was meant to be a place in the image of God, of God's love, of God's joy, of God's peace. And then we look around us in our everyday life, and it's like, boy, you got to really search to find this love. But we do find it. You have to really search to find this joy, but we do find it. And you have to search to find the peace of Christ. But we do find it. So we know what it's like. And that's where reorientation comes in. And that's what makes this actually doable. This world of order and disorder, this world of orientation and disorientation is happening all at once. And so John's writing set up for us what the world is supposed to be, what the world is supposed to look like. And the way that he does it is not by telling us a story of the entire world. He tells us the story of a handful of people who have committed our lives to living out this story of the new creation, this mission of the new creation. Jesus himself started the new creation with 12 fishermen, tax collectors, and zealots. If we ever feel like we as a family of Christ in this place cannot make a difference in the mission that God has set up, all we have to do is go back and read these original stories. It's the way God has worked from the very beginning. It tells us who we are, what we look like, who we're supposed to be. And we need this especially today because we are bombarded by images that distort what is supposed to be God's pure love. I mean, it's probably not that much of a stretch to say, what time is it? So it's a little little bit after 11. It's probably not a stretch to say that by noon today, you're going to encounter an image that distorts God's will, whatever that looks like. And, you know, if you're reading your Bible on uh, your phone, if you swipe one thing, you may see an image that distorts God's will right here in the middle of a sermon at church. We take the beauty of light and we cast it in darkness. So dare to dream with God of this image from Revelation 22. This is right out of the ending of Scripture. There will be no more night. You know what he's talking about? There will be no more night. Have you ever, have you ever, I'm going to get personal for a few minutes here. Have you ever grieved? I mean grieved, grieved. You know what some of the worst time is? When you are mired in grief. It's in the middle of the night. Because time stands still. 
everything goes quiet and you cannot wait for at least the sun to come up. And I don't understand it. I've, I've been in it. I know what that feels like deep, deep down in my soul and I hated every minute of it. But I know what it feels like to be awake in the middle of the night and you can't wait for the sun to come up. And so when God talks about this stuff in Revelation 22, God is getting personal. God is getting deeply personal. And so hear it on that level, not as this sort of cosmic, you know, kind of Greek image of, you know, forget about all that. This gets personal. Listen to this. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So I follow a YouTuber called the Wheezy Waiter. Cute name. Craig from Mental Floss. He and his wife publish these videos where they talk through a month of experimenting, you know, just with, with something, just with, with, even with an idea. And so one of my favorite ones that I've watched of theirs, and I really like watching their stuff, but one of my favorite ones that I've watched of theirs is when they gave up the internet for a month. Not, you know, a wet, the internet, capital T, capital I, the whole internet. They gave it up for a solid month. And so they're interviewing each other uh, about a week into it, and they're asking each other, what was that? What's, it, what's it been like so far? You know, and his wife says, well, yeah, I had all this free time on my hands, so I polished all the stainless steel in the kitchen, and, uh, you know, I actually went to bed last night and was able to go right to sleep, and then I woke up this morning, and because I didn't just get on the internet right when I woke up, my morning started off kind of peaceful and quiet, and... I felt really good at breakfast and realized about halfway through the day that I wasn't really anxious about anything and I felt pretty good. It's not that I didn't have things going on, but I just, it felt different. She said, well, what about you? And he's like, well, I read a book yesterday uh, and actually got a lot done around the house. And it's just interesting watching this. You know what they're talking about? You heard of FOMO? F-O-M-O, you ever heard this? Fear of missing out. We live in a FOMO culture. Fear of missing out. I've got to check on whatever because I'm afraid I might miss out on something. What are you going to miss out on? What so-and-so wore on Tuesday? What are you afraid of missing out on? Are we so afraid of missing out on this stuff in front of us that in essence, we're actually missing out on a lot in the world. And if we want to just stay personal on this with the whole Revelation 21 and 22 thing, what if we're missing out on some of the work that God is doing all around us, all day, every day, that we can't see? 
And I'll bring up a really tough subject if you want to while we're on this. Most of us are carrying around with us immediate access to multiple hardcore pornography channels 24-7, 365 days a year. But you know what can be just as disorienting and just as destructive and just as immoral? All of these false body image images that are thrown before our eyes 24-7, 365 days a year. And so culture tries to get us to measure ourselves against these false idols of photoshopped perfection. And let me tell you, as someone with degrees in the Old Testament, it is a form of idolatry. You know what Cindy Crawford said in the early 90s whenever she was at the height of supermodel fame? You know what she said during an interview one time? She said, I don't look like Cindy Crawford because of this machine that's all around us. We are surrounded at all times with things that have nothing to do with the love, joy, and peace of Jesus. Not to mention we are keeping ourselves amused to death when what Jesus is doing is just calling us to a simple mission. It's really not that hard. It's not. It is not that hard to look for the work of God all around us and go together as the body of Christ out of this place and go be people of love, joy, and peace. And when people come in, to be a part of us, whether it's for a day or for a lifetime. Welcome them in the love, joy, and peace of Christ. Everybody who walks in the door, welcome to the love of God. Welcome to the joy of God. Welcome to the peace of Christ. And that's where we come in, the church of Jesus. A people who need to spend this entire summer rethinking and restating our message around a message of reorientation, to a disoriented world. And this is what these last two chapters of the Bible are helping us do this morning. From, and here's our task from day to day. This is what you've been waiting for. So John 19.30. Jesus is on the cross, and Jesus says one word at the end of His life in the Gospel of John. And it's the word, to telestai. It's from a Greek root, telos. It just, it, it just means an ending or a completion. So if you hear about telos, typically it means, a, you know, an end. Everything is closed. Everything gets completed. Everything's taken care of. And so when Jesus speaks, we translate it typically, it is finished. What's really cool whenever you know some of the history and story of this word, is that this word is spoken at the end of another creation. You know where it is? So think about Genesis 1.1. How does Genesis 1.1 begin? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How does John 1.1 begin? In the beginning was the word, words with God, word was God. So you have those 1.1s down, right? 
So John 1.1 begins same way Genesis 1.1 begins. Then the end of John's story, at least before this new beginning of new life and resurrection, ends with tetelestai, it is finished. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know how the end of the creation story, you know, the last kind of thing that happens. And the Genesis, people kind of messed up on the, you know, where the chapter breaks go and everything. It's 2.10, which really kind of rounds out from 1.1. But you know what 2.10 says? I'll read it to you. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed. Telos. Tetelestai. So when Jesus says this, it's bigger than just this random word. It's hearkening back to creation. Now, in Revelation 21.6, that we started off this sermon reading, Jesus said to John, it is done. You remember that? It sounds an awful lot like what Jesus said from the cross in 1930, but it's not. It's a different word. The first last thing that Jesus says in the book of Revelation, last word Jesus says before he dies and then comes in this new resurrected life. It's Tetelestai. The first, last thing Jesus says in 21, 5, and 6, as he begins, is, it is done. Different word. It's the word genomai. Now remember this word. Genomai, different than tetelestai. Tetelestai means it is complete. It's what you would say if you just got finished building a house. You, know, you hammer the last nail in. You step back and you survey it and you say, hmm, it's finished. It's what would you might say if you were an artist and painting a painting. And at the end, when you were finished painting the painting, it's finished. Genomai is used when a first part of something is finished, but it has this beginning that goes with it. So it's not, it is done in the sense that it is finished. A cooler way to translate that would be, it has been born. Quite literally, it has been genesis It's been born. It has not been done in the sense that we're finished and let's go home. It's, it is finished. It is done. It has been born. Now, we're in the middle of a new beginning. Genomai. Remember that word. Because we're going to hear it again one day. One of these days, Jesus will come again and he will say, it is born. This new creation 
has finally been completed. Now let's all go live in it together. Genomai. Remember that word. Uh, it's going to be on the final. <laughs> Amen.